Ladies, ladies, you don't have to wait for someone else to show enthusiasm for you. You can do that for yourself. We can do that together. Welcome to the Cup of Glow podcast. I'm your host, Gloria Darling, your sassy 60s milestone diva, and I have the t-shirt to prove it. The Cup of Glow podcast seeks to entertain, inform, and inspire you through serial stories and discussions prompting you, the milestone diva in our midst, to own your power. How many times have you heard the statement, when I retire, I will? Go ahead, fill in the blank. I will take that cruise to Alaska, or I will go to Australia, or I will buy a new car. I will, I will, I will. Our guest today, Ann Head Ortega, is a doer. And she's done many of the things that some of us are still dreaming about, especially travel the globe. Anne Head Ortega is the firstborn of six in a military family. Each sibling was born in a different country or state. Her father's ancestry was Northwest European, particularly English, Irish, and Swedish, and raised in Sarasota, Florida. Her mother was born in Puerto Rico and raised in Maui, Hawaii. Anne has three children. Her eldest daughter was born in the Canal Zone in 1971. Her second daughter was born in St. Augustine, Florida in 1980, and her son was also born in St. Augustine, Florida in 1982. Anne retired with 22 years military service from the Florida Army Guard in 1998. She retired from the United States Department of Justice in January 2006 with 35 years of federal service. In 2017, after 12 years as a substitute teacher, she actually became a retiree. Anne was born into a traveling family and says that she still sincerely enjoys traveling. Welcome, Anne. Hello, I am delighted to be here. Thank you. First, I must say thank you for your service. You're not only an adventurous soul, but a courageous person, too. I'm so excited to have you regale us with your adventures and travel during COVID-19, no less. Wow. Please tell us about your trips this year. This year we started off in New Zealand and Australia. That was February and March. Went to New Zealand first to, excuse me, went to Australia first to visit my sister in Alice Springs, where she had lived for three years. Absolutely wonderful place. I must say that not having been in that part of the world before, I dearly loved it. I would love to return to it, but the people were so happy, lighthearted. Everyone was just full of smiles. You did not meet a stranger. So we were in Australia for about a week and then went to New Zealand. 
and went to Rotorua, which is where the Maori Indian culture is very predominant, and went to the Hobbit studio, Hobbiton, which was awesome. Wow. How do you decide where to visit? Previously, it was just mainly the time span, the locale, and the weather. We like going, we being Benny and my husband and myself, we like going to the Caribbean a lot. He loves the Dominican Republic. But here in this part of the world, between June and November, we have to be real careful with the hurricanes. So in this, some of the decisions are made primarily on the weather, the timing, how long we have. And this last trip that we went to, Mexico, which we were there not even a full week, was mainly an exploratory trip to see what it was like to actually travel in during COVID. When we came back from New Zealand, we had to cut our trip short because we were due to be back March 19th. We ended up coming back March 6th because their things were changing here in the States. And in New Zealand and in Australia, they were already shutting borders down, putting people on the 14-day quarantine. And at the time, we weren't sure what the rules were. The airport people weren't sure either. So as we were leaving from one airport to the other, we were afraid that we were going to be stuck. So we went to one of the airport uh, attendants, and they helped us book a quick trip back to the United States, which we actually had to pay for because we had already paid for the tickets, but because we were changing the flight, because not knowing what was in the future with the virus, we didn't want to take a chance of being stranded someplace. Well, you know, I have um, someone I know who was planning to travel intra within the United States, and she said different states have different rules. If they know you're coming from a hot spot, you have to have tests in some situations before you leave, you know, three days before or, seven, you know, 72 hours before or some time frame. It's really tough. You have to plan extra. You have to do extra things. What did you do for the trip to Mexico? Well, I did research first because the first thing, because I knew it was going to be a short trip, mainly an exploratory trip to verify what it would be like to travel during this uh, season of the COVID virus, make sure there was no quarantine. Because we went last week, verified the climate to make sure we were not going to a place where we might be prone to some sudden hurricane. So we ended up going to the west part of Mexico, Baja Peninsula to be to be exact, went to Los Cabos. They do not require uh, injections before you get there. They don't require the 14-day quarantine. It was far enough out of the hurricane path that we felt like we would be safe there for this short trip. And I must say, I find it very interesting when we left from Tallahassee, there were no particular screening techniques in place in Tallahassee other than we were flying American Airlines, and they did say you had to wear your mask, and they were very adamant about that. If you did not wear your mask or if your mask was down, you were told about it as the attendants walked up and down the plane. But They also said that if you did not comply and if you became a problem traveler, you would not be flying American again. So they're taking it serious. So once we flew 
from, we flew from Tallahassee to Dallas-Fort Worth. Before we got to Dallas-Fort Worth, we had to fill out a questionnaire. Dallas-Fort Worth was requiring uh like a security questionnaire, you know, had you been exposed? Had you been uh, in quarantine where you had been before? In fact, they were asking where you had been the last uh, 90 days, if I remember correctly, where you had traveled to make sure that you were not bringing anything unsafe into that airport. So we got to the airport. We filled out the questionnaire. They're still the same thing, but... The flight was jam-packed. There was no social distancing on that plane, which I thought was interesting. But then I learned after getting to Los Cabos that that must be a hot spot for traveling because the planes coming in were full. The planes departing were full also. How long is that flight from Dallas to, what was it, Los Cabos? Los Cabos is less than two and a half hours. And something about on the flights, there are no um, services anymore as far as beverages or food services. If they are allowing you to bring, you know, you can bring food on the plane, but they're not serving anything. We did, however, on our return trip from Los Cabos, returning back to the U.S., we were on the tarmac for, my goodness, about an hour, an hour and a half. There was some kind of delay. And because of the delay... They treated us to little packages. They had little um, freezer bags that had water, package of pretzels, and a little hand sanitizer wipe in it. So all the flight, the flight, the flyers received one of those because we'd been stuck on the tarmac. And well, on that seems kind of odd if you have to wear the mask during the flight to then. Remove the mask to drink your water and do everything, and you're jammed packed on the plane. Yes, that was the one exception. When you eat or drink, you can take your mask off. But, I mean, not take it off, you slip it down. But as long as you're eating or drinking. But I will say one thing. There was uh, someone who had said they had traveled, and they had eaten a can of Pringles, and they made that can of Pringles last the whole trip so they didn't have to wear their mask. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's taking it to a little stretch there, but that's what, you know, you know, there are some people that are not very compliant. At least they had a mask to start the flight. There you go. Well, while you were in Los Cabos, how was the resort you stayed in? It was wonderful. We stayed in um, one of the AM resorts. They have several, and we had been to some of the AM resorts before in the past. This one was called Dreams. When you walked into, we rented a car, so we didn't take public transportation or the shuttle. When we walked into the resort, there was a wet mat that I think had, that had disinfectant. So when you walked up to the mat, you had to rub your feet on the mat to disinfect your feet. Then you stepped on another mat and then there was looked like a security camera, but what it was was a thermal temperature taker up there and like where a security camera would normally be, and they were taking your temperature. And once you got off that mat, the hand sanitizer was there. So you were from feet to face to hands were pretty well sanitized. All the employees had masks and goggles, and if they did not have masks and goggles, they had masks and the uh, shields. 
So if someone is suffering from cabin fever and just have to get away for a few days, you would recommend that they look into Los Cabos? I would. And the reason I say Los Cabos is because for where we are in Florida, because of the hurricane, we know that the chances of a hurricane going there unbeknownst are rare. So we know the, the weather would be okay. But that area... Those people were very super secure, even the performers. At a resort, you have evening performers. The performers were also masked and face shields. They were doing their dances. They had um, they had various, every night they had a different uh, program. But every night they were wearing protective gear, except on the night they were doing, they had a fire show. And then when they did the fire show, they were not wearing masks. And that could be because of the danger of the fire, I don't know. But other than that, the dancers, the jugglers, whatever, were completely with masks, goggles, or face shields. Cool. The housekeeping or the maintenance staff, the people that were around picking up the grounds and what have you, were wearing protective clothing from head to toe. They wore like um, a jumpsuit. Did they come and give service every day because I've heard stories, too, of limited housekeeping services at hotels. We had no problem. We had, oh, and something that was really cool, when you go in, you get, you know, you you have a coffee maker, and then you have your cups and your glasses. And at this resort, they don't use plastic cups. They're using ceramic cups and real glasses. They were all sealed, like in shrink wrap. And they had a little stamp on it to show that this had been sanitized and you were the one. If it was open, then you were not supposed to use it, but you had your own privately sanitized cups and glasses. The refrigerator had a stamp on it saying that it had been sanitized. The microwave had a stamp saying it had been sanitized. The soap was in a shrink wrap package. They had the shampoos and conditioners and also had their own logoed hand sanitizer. They're, they're like Purell or uh, alcohol-based. They had their own logo hand sanitizer included in the, in the little toiletries, which they did not have before COVID. Well, COVID's changed a lot for us, but it sounds like at least that resort was practicing some good standards. And you've passed along your legacy for Wanderlust to your grandchildren, and you've had many family vacations, not necessarily doing, during COVID, pre-COVID, but you still had a lot of them. What's some of your most memorable vacations with the family? Well, one, there's we have a little tradition that our the she's not the youngest anymore, but Kara, who is seven now, has never had a birthday in the United States except this year. Her first birthday this year was in the U.S., but for her first six birthdays, they were in different countries. Which was your favorite? Oh my God, they're all we're all wonderful. <laughs> they're all special in certain ways. <laughs> oh, they're all yeah. We the, we see her first one was in Okinawa, so we went to Okinawa for her birthday, and from Okinawa, Benny and I went to Singapore because his son, my eldest stepson, was working in Singapore. So from Okinawa to Singapore, that was just a skip and a hop. So we went to Singapore on that trip, and we went there for Kara's birthday. Decided to go to Singapore, and on the actual date of her birthday, we were traveling to Singapore. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, still, how many young kids could say, I've been to Okinawa and Singapore and other countries as well? And it's a great lesson, geography lesson and cultural experience. Having been raised traveling, to me, travel is absolutely wonderful. I'm, I feel fortunate that I've been able to travel. There are so many that have not had the opportunity to travel and really do not know what they're missing. When I travel, I don't travel as a tourist. We rent a car. We get off the beaten path. We stay away from the tourist spots and get to know the locale itself. When we were in Mexico this um, last week, we actually went and looked at some condos that were for sale. So we explored the town a little bit by looking at some of the uh, properties that they had for sale and stayed away from the tourist areas. Because if you're in a tourist area, you're only going to meet more tourists. You're not going to meet the local people and you're not going to find out what the culture is. Contemplating becoming an expatriate now, are you? Oh, my spouse would love it. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't mind it. I always say I've been an expat because I was raised in the military and lived in Germany for, my goodness, four years. I had a sister born in Germany, lived in Panama for, with my father, three years. I returned back to Panama. So I I think I spent a total of 13 years in Panama. So I consider I've already lived out of the country, but my spouse hasn't had that opportunity yet. And he would love to have a little ranch with some little horses that he could afford and maybe afford to have help to take care of the horses and what have you, things that we could not afford here in the States. But it just all sounds like so much fun no matter what. It is. where it is. What advice would you give the lady over 50 who may be struggling with feelings of what to do in retirement? Mm. Well, my struggle when I first retired from the Department of Justice after 35 years was I had no place to go in the morning, and I couldn't stand it. So I retired in January, and in March, I was looking for something, and my husband's niece suggested substitute teaching. So I took up substitute teaching because I could not not have a purpose to wake up for after doing that for 35 years. Now, though, since I've thrown, definitely am in the retire zone, there are so many things to do, so many things that take up time that I find I'm running out of time to do the things I'm supposed to be doing because I'm too busy doing the things I want to do. (laughs) I've heard a lot of that. Once the initial shock of, oh, my goodness, I don't have to get dressed for work today wears off, then there's not enough time in the day. Mm -mm. I aspire to be like you. Oh, let me tell you, it goes by fast. But I have... Uh, a little goal. Actually, it's my car. My car is not happy unless it gets 50 miles every day. No matter where, what I'm doing, it has to have 50 miles every day put on it. And I try to keep it happy. How many miles do you have on your car right now? You take a lot of road trips. Yes, I couldn't. It's not, it might be a year old and eh, might have almost 30,000 on it. Incredible. My car bought brand new spank off the showroom floor has 16,000 miles. I was comparing that the other day with my son and I bought my car in 2018. 
So it's almost three years old wow. now, and it only has 16,000 miles. And my son bought a car two months ago, and he he's running up with you. He has about 30,000 miles on he, it. Yep, he won. Yep, got to got to have that mileage of car. My car cars are made to my cars are made to drive, right? And those tires want to be on the road. <laughs> but then your destinations are also fun. Usually you're visiting family, doing cool grandma stuff. Oh, definitely do a lot of grandma stuff. The Oh, the eldest granddaughter is 17, but the second granddaughter, uh, Callie, Callie is nine. From the time she was born for almost eight solid years, I was back and forth helping her mother. The Her mother homeschools, was in the military, is now retired, but is a nurse practitioner and works an hour from where she lives, so it's hard to find a a 14-hour-a-day babysitter. At least it was when they were younger. So for the first eight years of Callie's life, I sometimes traveled twice a week to Cochrane, Georgia, about three and a half hours from from where I live in Woodville, and now they live in Warner Robins, sometimes making two trips to, to help out. That's impressive. I don't know that I could do that. In fact, when I quit doing it, I missed it. You know, when they when she was a little bit older and the second daughter came along, uh, that was Kara, the one who has a birthday out of the country, I missed it. It was like nothing to do. I mean, no no road trips this week? That's not right. <laughs> no, no. Cool grandma. Well, just to let everyone know, Anne and I used to be in the same dance troupe. And you all have heard me mention the dance troupe before. And with that dance troupe, we used to travel around in what we call the belly bus. Oh, we, yes. Those were some, in fact, <laughs> Anne is the one who taught me about watering daisies. I've mentioned that before, too. Watering daisies. Shame on you, Anne. Letting me know the secrets of life. (laughs) (laughs) When you travel, you've got to know the secrets. (laughs) Of course. Now, the best thing about being a Milestone Diva is the appreciation of celebrating another birthday each year. On this podcast, we always provide opportunities to recognize and celebrate birthdays with our listeners by offering a fun story or birthday trivia. And tell us about your most fun or interesting birthday over 50. I don't know about interesting or fun, but I'll tell you something that was really humorous that happened last year. My sister-in-law, my husband's brother's wife, thought that I was get, I was going to be 70. And we don't usually exchange gifts. Well, she bought me the coolest travel backpack with the zippers on the inside so no one could, you know, no theft, theft free, I think is what it was. And she presented it to me on my 70th birthday. Well, that was my 69th birthday. <laughs> but think about it. You have a cool backpack. <laughs> yeah, we, st- we still laugh about it. <laughs> she was moving those years a little bit faster than you like. Uh, but hey, you know what? I do not. I have a sister who tries to hide from her age. I believe that every year that we have is a blessing and a gift, and I embrace it. It's like I can't wait. I don't uh, lament getting older at all. Good for you. I certainly (laughs) don't. 
I enjoy every moment when I get up. It's a fun day. It's a new day to do something else cool. Well, you've certainly entertained us. You gave us some ideas of what we can do in our retirement and not be afraid to do it. If there was a time to be afraid to travel, this would be that time. And you and your husband, Benny, found the time and the manner and way of making a trip. Not only making a trip, but making the trip out of country. That's really impressive and interesting. I'm still afraid to do that, even though I have family out of the country. I'm afraid to go. Well, they may not let me in. Some countries have shut down. They're not letting us in. That's why you've got to do your research. Yes. Yes, indeed. And thank you so much for being with us. It was definitely a pleasure. Where's your next trip? We're waiting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks with the family. But in November... I do not plan to be here. Well, where where I'm going to be, I don't know yet. Because sometimes we don't plan. We, we just wait for it to happen. But I'm not planning on being in Woodville, Florida for the month of November. The entire month? That's, that's what my plan is. But, you know, plans can change, but that's what my plan is. Well, good for you. Wherever you go, take many pictures and post them so the rest of us could live vicariously through you. Thanks again, Ann. We really appreciate it. Oh, I thank you for allowing me to be here because this has been a pleasure. And do you know we've been friends for, what, 15, 16 years? Do you know that's how long it's been? I was thinking about that. It was like time goes by so fast. It does. And when we look at some of those pictures, oh. <laughs> we don't look at those pictures. <laughs> we look at the future pictures. We don't look behind. We don't look behind. <laughs> no, don't look behind. fun. I always wore the red skirt. <laughs> and I was the yellow. All right. There we go. I don't know what school colors those are, but we both enjoy FSU. Yes. <laughs> go Knowles. Thanks, Ann. At the Cup of Low podcast, we advocate for embracing every day as a new day birthdays included. Today's program was brought to you by Replay Fitness Inc., helping women age 50 and older to find their power. When we can find that state of being within ourselves that manifests confidence, boldness, enthusiasm, playfulness, and wisdom, then we found our power, which is ours and only ours to use and share as only we can. To learn more about Replay Fitness Inc., please visit replayfitnessinc.com. If you've already subscribed to the podcast, thank you. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe so you will be notified when new episodes have been posted. Until next time, this has been the Cup of Glow podcast with Gloria Darling, your sassy 60s milestone diva. It's about a decade and not a day.